Hello, this is Sengyeo from the ASEAN Speaks editorial team, and welcome back. Prices are rising and consumers aren't happy about it. But worry not, as the Fed says, as trends are only transitory. If this is so, then the first question that our strategists will attempt to answer today is what inflation indicators will Singapore's central bank watch? And what is the threshold that it will tolerate before making policy changes? The MAS next policy meeting will be scheduled in October. As we crystal gaze on the Sing dollar's outlook, Maybank's head of research for Singapore will also attempt to predict how much higher the Singapore equity market could rise in a best-case scenario. Our next feature focus will be on the Thai property sector, as the interest rate environment is inversely correlated with property sales. Maybank's property research team just downgraded the sector, so we attempt to understand the drivers behind the downgrade and also how developers are resorting to innovation to sustain sales. Last but not least, we look at Fitch's recent downgrade of the Philippines and assess if this event implies new risk or fresh opportunities for the Philippines' equity market. So stay tuned for these highlights and more as I invite Suhami Elias onto the call to moderate the show from here. Uh, today we have Habin to talk about Singapore Macro, Tilan on a recent Singapore Day in Investment ASEAN calendar, uh, Anand to talk about ASEAN equities overall, uh, and then we drill down to uh, some of the uh, regional uh, markets with Vanida on Thai property, Jackie and Daphne on Philippine strategy and consumer sector. And last but not least, we'll have Jiga uh, to update us on India. Uh, let's start with Hakbin. Um, Hakbin, Singapore's flash second quarter uh, 2021 GDP uh, that's based on April-May economic numbers jump 14.3%. I think base effect aside, I mean, what drive the robust growth last quarter, given that the seasonally adjusted quarter over quarter uh, actually registered a drop? Hey, hi, Martin Suhaimi. Uh, yeah, so Singapore, I think, is one of the first uh, to release a, a flash estimate of the second quarter. Uh, came in, uh, I guess, uh, slightly higher than our expectations, 14.3%. Uh, but it is a quarter contra contraction, uh, minus 2%. And sh- I guess that shouldn't be too surprising given the heightened measures, you know? Um, in the May and June months, uh, still I think for the full for the first half of the year, it's already slightly above the pre-pandemic level. So I think the story remains the same for this year. That is largely a manufacturing-driven recovery. Manufacturing is already about twenty percent above pre-pandemic, uh, whereas the construction you know, and services recovery are, is a lot more sluggish uh, because of the lockdowns and border controls. Uh, so manufacturing, I think, you know, Singapore is in the right space. Um, accelerated 18.5% um, the second quarter. And uh, again, you know, in this, because of the global semiconductor boom, so some of those components are growing very strongly. Uh, and in fact, uh, the government's manufacturing estimate implies that industrial production probably grew about almost uh, 27.5% in June. Um, so we are raising our full year forecast for this year to 6.8% uh, because of this manufacturing performance and also the rapid, rapid vaccine rollout which should also allow for government to further relax, uh, we hope, some of the restrictions about controls before the end of the year. Uh, full vaccination currently is about 43% in Singapore. Uh, the government aims to reach 50% by the end of the month and hopefully uh, two-thirds by uh, National Day, August. So, with, if of course, there's this, this current outbreak, but uh, I guess we're just monitoring to see how serious it will be. Uh, but if they can continue to relax some of this, the services uh, recovery should hopefully pick up in the fourth quarter and also next year. So next year's forecast would raise to uh, 3.5%. And the construction, again, is uh, suffering from foreign worker shortages 
and really is conditional on the relaxation of the, you know, restoration of the foreign workers come back in and some relaxation of border controls. So we have our revisions in inflation earlier and now we have our revisions to growth. Uh, do you think Monetary Authority of Singapore will join the earlier mentioned several central banks in normalising or tightening policy soon? So uh, the June inflation figures will be coming out this week, so we'll be watching closely. We are still expecting the headline and the core inflation to continue creeping higher. But I guess the focus is the core inflation, which the MAS monitors a lot more closely. Core inflation was 0.8% in the last reading. If it moves to 1 or slightly above 1, then that may force the MAS to start thinking about their own uh, core inflation forecast, which is 0 to 1. Uh, so we have you know, the conditional on this uh, inflation figure that comes out this week. If it does overshoot, I think there's a higher probability of MES, uh, again, shifting uh, their policy in October, again, which comes possibly after some relaxation of the restrictions at home or the border controls. Uh, thanks, Abin. Let's move to Tilan on the uh, Singapore equity. Uh, there's the report on uh, Singapore chapter of our Invest ASEAN series. Uh, Tilan, what's, what are the main takeaways from the 10 companies that we featured? Morning, uh, well, there were four broad takeaways uh, from the 10 days and, and they, they represented a fairly broad cross-section of uh, key sectors in Singapore. Uh, the first one was around 70% of companies expect margins to expand or at least remain supported uh, going forward, uh, given uh, driven by a shift in terms of higher value product mix as well as better, better volumes. Uh, the tech uh, sector and the bank seem to be the key beneficiaries of this. Almost all companies expect earnings momentum to be better this year than in 2020. Um, number two, nearly half the companies are integrating ESG into their business strategies. And this is not just trying to reduce emissions, but actually grabbing commercial opportunities. Uh, the banks and the transport sector uh, seem to be leading uh, the charge here. Uh, three companies are doing more with products that they have. A lot of them are looking to leverage existing products to take new markets as well as uh, adjacencies. Uh, the tech and the healthcare names were uh, leading here in terms of what they're what they're planning on doing. But I think finally, um, there was still quite a bit of caution uh, given resurging COVID numbers across the region, as well as some of the political um, uncertainty uh, in ASEAN around uh, places like Myanmar. Uh, so there is, you know, while the companies are optimistic, um, they are still a little bit reserved in terms of, uh, you know, overall uh, COVID outlook. So we have a fairly broad sector of stocks. Uh, most of them are financial. So we have DBS, uh, we have uh, uh, SGX. We also have stocks in uh, most quite a few of the REITs as well. Um, A-REIT, CICT, um, and Comfort Delgro from the transport sector, as well as a few tech names like uh, UMS. So, um, so one last question. What's the upside uh, you're pricing in for the Singapore index? So you're looking at about a 12% upside from current levels. Uh, that will take uh, overall index valuations to almost a mean price to book uh, on a, on a long-term basis. Right. Thanks, Dylan. Um, let's move on to Anand um, on the latest edition of ASEAN Plus uh, fortnightly. Uh, Anand, are there material developments affecting ASEAN's uh, equity market outlook? I mean, any upgrades, downgrades on markets, index, sectors, companies? Uh, any analysts make uh, new stock initiations? Sure. Hi. Thanks. Morning, Soimi. Uh, morning, everyone. So, yeah, it's been quite a busy 
uh, fortnight in terms of uh, sectoral weightings. Unfortunately, most of them have been to the downside, i.e., uh, being cut uh, compared to uh, you know uh, being raised uh, three months ago when we were much more positive on the markets. But let me set the context first. I think uh, when we were talking about a two-speed ASEAN for for many months now, uh, in terms of market performance, so we had Singapore and Vietnam, uh, you know, having much better. Uh, traction compared to the other four ASEAN markets. And that continued, or that was on display uh, over the last fortnight. I mean, uh, as Hagbin just mentioned, you know, Singapore has uh, raised its GDP growth uh, to 6.8%. And Vietnam, although we saw some profit-taking over the last two weeks, it really came from all-time record levels uh, for the VN index. Uh, and our head of research there is convinced that this is a, a bargain-hunting opportunity before the next uh, uh, leg up. Uh, for the market uh, over the next couple of months, given the very robust uh, economic uh, uh, factors uh, at play in, in Vietnam. Uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, Malaysia, Thailand, we're still uh, talking or signaling GDP downgrades. Uh, Indonesia's COVID-19 cases are making the headlines for all the wrong reasons. Uh, and PH, or Philippines ratings outlook, has been cut to negative by Fitch. So you can see the the news flow is very, very divergent uh, between uh, the winners and the losers in ASEAN. Uh, to, on your question in terms of sectors, we have been cutting a few sectors, as I mentioned. So for Malaysia, as part of our second half outlook, uh, we have cut construction and gloves uh, from overweight to neutral. We see similar cuts happening in Thailand for sectors like healthcare uh, and property, also cut from overweight to, to neutral. Uh, so there haven't really been many upgrades uh, over the last two weeks, except in Vietnam where we've upgraded Petro-Vietnam power uh, and Petro-Vietnam gas uh, to buy. Um, thanks, Anand. Um, let's, let's cross over to uh, Thailand. Uh, we have Vanida with us. Um, Vanida, you downgraded Thailand uh, property sector from positive to neutral. I mean, this is despite decent pre-sales in first half of 2021. I mean, are the reasons for the downgrades due to valuation factors or are there fundamental reasons for that move? Good morning. For Thailand, residential property, uh, it did well in the first half by both pre-sale and earnings. For the combined pre-sale of five developers under our coverage, rose 9% year-on-year to 32 billion, driving six-month number to 64 billion, 17% growth, or 48% of full-year guidance. We also expect combined earnings to increase at a double-digit rate from a low base in the first half of last year during the first full lockdown. But coming to the second half, operating environment is very challenging. We see higher risks in the second half given the rising severity of the pandemic, slow vaccination and potential delay in the reopening. This has led to a recent cut in consensus GDP growth uh, from 3% to 1.8. And I think that should be more moving forward. Uh, acceleration of the household debt to GDP record high, 90.5%. Also weak consumer confidence. The government's recent announcement for a one-month closure of construction sites, uh, stricter EAA criteria for high-rise building. This is for the environment impact assessment criteria. Another full lockdown in Bangkok and the vicinity effective today are also negative in the near term. We see a possibility that the new launch may be postponed from the second half, which may impact full-year estimated pre-sale and revenue 
and also earnings. That's why we downgrade the sector from positive to not neutral. AP, the market leader by pre-sale trade at the compelling valuation as our topic, target price 9.8. We know that AP still ranked number one by pre-sale. Second quarter and first half pre-sale grew 9% and 80% year on year. Respectively, we expect first half earnings to grow more than 50% year on year. This is for AP stand out from the rest. So that's why our topic is still AP. For the uh, outlook of the sector we downgrade to neutral because mostly from the macroeconomic outlook which seem uh, to be uh, weak and then going to be weaker in the second half. Wait, any other industry developments worth highlighting uh, in the Thai property like uh, government policies or listing? Okay. However, year to date, there has been some interesting industry development. The government's attempt to attract foreigners to buy more Thai properties is positive in the long term. This includes a long-stay 10-year visa and extension of leasehold contract from 30 years to 40 to 50 years. Some developers are also riding a digital wave by allowing customers to use crypto currency to pay for properties and related service fees. Also, Thailand first real estate-backed ICO token Siri hub backed by an office building will soon come out to the market. Another seven to eight token deals are due to come into the market within this year. This will give developers more choice to monetize their asset, not only via a proper read, which take a long procedure to come out. Now they can go and issue a token as well. So I think that in the second half, we should see more uh, in terms of the detail of the government, uh, what, the, what the measure that they will use to tap the foreign buyers and also this, um, all this uh, digital kind of financial service, which will link to the property sector, we should see that development as well. Yeah, thanks, Vanita. Uh, interesting real estate going digital. Um, let's move to Philippines. Uh, we've got a couple of speakers from there. But first, uh, we start with Jackie. Um, Fitch downgraded uh, Philippines' sovereign credit rating outlook to negative from stable, although they maintain the rating, out, rating itself. But I think in the end, the question, I guess, is do you see this as risk or opportunities to the equity market? Hi, good morning, Sahaimi. Um, so a huge factor to the downgrade is the sudden spike in debt-to-GDP ratio, which uh, combined with the expected reduction in the government revenues from the tax cuts under the CREATE Act and accelerated spending on infrastructure um, is likely going to increase further. Um, however, the lowered government revenue from the tax cuts has an inverse positive impact on the corporate side. Um, further, the stocks under our coverage exhibit realizable earnings growth trajectories and resiliency against interest rate risk and FX risk, such that we think that the credit downgrade should minimally impact um, the Philippine stocks. So we maintain our positive view on the market, and the downgrade is definitely a buying window um, for us. What would be the stocks that you think uh, worth looking at under this kind of environment? Sure. Um, on page one of the report, we actually listed down um, 11 stocks which offer value and growth. But out of that, our top, top picks are definitely Ayala Corp, um, ICT, Meralco, uh, Universal Robina Corporation, and Converge. Yeah, thanks, uh, Jackie. Thank um, you. 
let's drill down on on a specific sector in Philippines, uh, basically the consumer sector. Uh, Daphne, uh, what's your take on Philippines consumer sector based on you know the central bank's latest consumer sentiment survey? status of vaccinations and quarantines or restrictions. I mean, my question is essentially, is it the largest component of Philippines GDP prime for recovery? All right. Hi, good morning. So we are still positive on the Philippine consumer sector, but remains cautious because of two key risks, which are the resurgence of COVID-19 variants and mutations, as well as delays in uh, achieving herd immunity due to delayed vaccine delivery and supply constraints. Um, although the vaccination progress has given us some kind of relief, I don't think we should be complacent as new variants may enter, resulting through another uh, surge of cases similar to Thailand and Vietnam. Um, at the moment, consumer sentiment remains weak, so as foot traffic within malls and outlets and retail outlets. Um, while dine-in activities started to pick up, risk of reversion to tighter mobility classifications could wipe out uh, all the progress that we've made. Uh, there are definitely winners and losers as we end should we enter another round of tighter restrictions. Uh, winners are definitely the staples manufacturer and grocery retailers as they have well adopted their supply chain into the existing um, logistical restrictions. Uh, losers will still be the discretionary retailers and to some extent um, restaurant operators as well as home improvement retailers um, due, uh, due to a potential slowdown in construction activity should we return back to a tighter restriction. Um, also, uh, we think there are small improvements observed in the sector, but any spike in case count could easily wipe out the current progress we have. Um, upside at the moment is potential election-related buying in the fourth quarter of this year, as Philippine uh, presidential election is slated for May of uh, 2022. Um, within the consumer sectors, I mean, what would be your kind of a top picks and what would be uh, stocks that I think you would tend to... Uh, advise investors to kind of uh, are down exposures? I think our, um, our topic for, for consumer remains to be um, Universal Rubina, URC. Um, and then a stop uh, which I think investors should lessen, lighten up on definitely be um, FB, San Miguel Food and Beverage at the moment. All right, thanks, uh, Daphne. Um, let's move on to India. Um, been a long time since we have... Uh, uh, Jiga on online here. Um, Jiga, your India strategy report raised Nifty target. Um, what's the rationale behind the outward revisions and, and for investors? Uh, what sectors and stocks uh, should they buy as well as should they sell? And um, are there any upsides or downsides to be mindful of when, you know, I guess, uh, putting your money in, in India? Uh, hi, Swami. Thanks, uh... So our report uh, increased our Nifty target to uh, 13,000 from 11,400, uh, mainly because uh, the Bloomberg consensus for Nifty stocks uh, earnings uh, was raised by about 11%. And that's on the back of a very strong uh, financial performance uh, uh, last year. Uh, there was a K-shaped recovery. And uh, the large companies uh, grew on the back of the small and medium enterprises. They took the share. And I think that was the best earnings performance for Nifty stocks in a uh, decade. So we think that, uh, you know, that is uh, something which is priced in. And uh, that's something which, uh, you know, we incorporated in our numbers. But uh, overall, we still think that uh, the 40% increase 
in expected earnings for uh, calendar 21 seems to be on a higher side and um, i mean it could be at risk from the rising commodity prices uh, the rising uh, inflation which is well above the central bank's comfort level and uh, that would uh, spur into an earlier than expected uh, increase in the rates so all of these are are uh, pretty tough challenges for the market and uh, there, there could be risk from those, as well as there could be still a risk from the uh, possible third wave, because we are still less than 6% uh, double vaccinations in the country in terms of the adult population. And uh, obviously, right now, it's very good from the worst situation we had in uh, uh, March, April. Uh, but uh, I mean, that's, that's a major. Uh, uh, risk which is not in the pricing. Um, apart from this, what I would say is the sectors we feel uh, would would be very good, even though there are these risks. Is software sector which has got uh, uh, export focus mainly on US, UK, and uh, the US IT spend. Uh, then the telecom sector which is doing extremely well. Uh, there is consolidation and pricing improvement. Uh, and tractors, which are doing well on the back of a good monsoon and uh, another uh, good rainfall. The sectors to avoid are uh, the cars, trucks, uh, media, and cement. Um, and in general, I think the energy and the commodity price are affecting the uh, the, the the corporate earning growth. Uh, so that's how I would summarize uh, some of the questions you asked. Um, any specific stocks that you know, you think uh, investors should uh, look into as well as uh, should kind of uh, not to be heavily invested in? Yeah, so um, our topics uh, include uh, Infosys, uh, Wipro, uh, TCS, um, Mahindra. Uh, these are some of our uh, topics. Uh, and uh, Bharti Airtel. Uh, the top sales are Maruti Suzuki, Tata Motors. Uh, these are our top sales.